because he's a fossil, the hooded man reminded himself. He let himself get weak. He let himself get soft and goddamn stupid. Gloved fingers expertly rolled back one of Joe's shirt sleeves and then the other, folding them away from the old man's biceps. The hooded man arranged elderly goose pimply arms so that both of Joe's hands rested palm up against the armrests. Then he stepped back from his handiwork, walking toward the middle of the room. There, he announced. That's one. Joe tried to catch a breath, squinting to find his captor. But the hooded man blended expertly into the shadows, a mystery against stacks of rotting newspapers. He'd been surprised to find Joe in such squalid lodgings. The building was a slum and the rental itself a suffocating closet. Dusty posters hung on the walls, tacked into cracking plaster. Discolored clothing was strewn across available surfaces. Molding periodicals, dating back a year or more, completed the hoarder's paradise. And the remains of Joe's dinner, an underwarmed hamburger paired with shoestring fries, dotted the landscape in front of the stove, overturned in their too brief struggle. He looked around, searching for anything that might speak to the old man's former grandeur. But nothing could be found, because either it lay beneath the refuse or Joe had sold it for bottles of infinity light. Nothing at all, apart from the object resting against the toolbox. Now, the hooded man began. He spoke with measured tones, indulging himself. Now, he said again with additional gravitas. Just one more thing. He rested both hands against Joe's kneecaps. Joe's breath sour and desperate, wafted against the fabric of the hood. He let the moment stretch out into eternity, relishing the feeling as he listened to Joe's rapid, frantic breathing. You know I have to do this, right? Tears sprang to the corners of Joe's shuttered eyelids, oozing out and then coursing down beaten, weathered cheeks. He nodded once, and the hooded man acknowledged the nod, though Joe could hardly appreciate the gesture. After that, the man swallowed beneath the hood and reached down for the object. Adjusting his weight, he hoisted the heavy artifact, swinging it in an arc to gather momentum. It glanced against its target's vulnerable skull, connecting with a sickening crack and driving Joe to the floor. The item bounced away, jarred by the impact, slipping from the hooded man's hands. Vibratory sound rang throughout the apartment, reverberating in his ears. He lifted Joe back to a sitting position, righting the chair and retrieved the object to strike again. He smashed its edge against Joe's temple and then at the base of his neck. It wasn't until the fourth volley that Joe, gurgling for air through bubbles of blood, recognized what the hooded man had been holding. The old fart forced a smile. The item had been dear to him, like his spilled blood. They made him special in ways others could never understand. No one but a select few, like the man in the hood. The man rammed the item into Joe's nose. Joe struggled to catch his sputtering breath, but the damn thing proved too fast and there was too much blood in the way. He choked to death where he sat, wheezing and gasping in the slatted mud-colored light.
The hooded man looked up, completely drained, letting his head loll back against his neck. He didn't want to look down. Staring at the ceiling provided respite from the blood. The red was gone now. Everything was black. Black forever. Joe's corpse settled, and the hooded man got to business. Nosy neighbors might have heard the altercation, and he had moments before somebody decided to call a cop. He knelt again, tugging at the ropes, ensuring the body was secure. Satisfied, he adjusted Joe's collar, pulling it aside to reveal a series of tattoos on the older man's skin. The first depicted a tank, a Pershing, an M26 as used during the Korean War. To its side lay a series of soldiers, bodies twisted beneath the Pershing's heavy tread. He prodded the folds of Joe's skin, trying to...